Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, a podcast from the Orange Students team. Our mission is to help you, the youth leader, influence the next generation. And we do that through this podcast, other resources, and our weekly curriculum, XP3. If you'd like to learn more, check out orangestudents.com. But for now, let's get started with this week's episode. Hey, what's up, everybody? We are so excited that you are hanging out with us today. My name is Brett, and I am super excited to be joined by some very good friends of mine, Ashley Bohens. Hey, friends. Dave Adamson. Hey, everybody. And then for the very first time on the podcast, Katie Edwards. So great to be here. Katie, we're so excited that <laughs> you're hanging so out with us today and that we're talking about this. But before we jump into what we're talking about... Since it's your first time on the podcast, if folks don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about who you are. Where do you come from? Yeah, totally. Um, well, my name is Katie Edwards, and I am a middle school pastor in California, whoop, whoop. which is like one of the best places to be a middle school pastor. It's and in awesome. California, it's not middle school. It is in it's some parts, but high. yeah, in our ministry, it's junior high. I so, feel like I, I see yes. that a lot on the West Coast. Yeah, it's so more kind of junior high language. Seventh and eighth grade, junior high. Um, and I've been at my church for almost 24 years in Whoa. student ministry. So just get started. It. Yes, totally. Just my prime. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'm married. I've got I've got two teenagers in my home and an eight year old. So yeah. So I feel like I've got a lot of Gen Z happening in my house right now. The book ends <laughs> eight and 20. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, we are so excited that you're hanging out with us today. And I just want to set the scene a little bit for folks that because um, this is a podcast and people can't see Dave Adamson, who some of you might be familiar with, he's been on the podcast before. In front of Dave right now, ladies oh, and gentlemen, is the tiniest cup of coffee I've ever seen. Right? A a, 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 a giant jar of pickles, mm -hmm. a knife, and two bags of chips. <laughs> hey, yeah. this, is this is everything. Very on brand. This is <laughs> this is my podcast survival kit, yes. and I think we should take a photo of this and put it up on the website so that yeah, everybody gonna, can see yeah, it. Yeah, we're in fact, let's 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 just do that now. Everybody, it's like the paparazzi in here right now. <laughs> this is my podcast survival kit. Although I was disappointed with the size of this coffee. <laughs> It was just, a couple, yeah, just a couple of sips. Yeah, just a couple of sips. They didn't. Me it's like three sips. They heard it was coffee. for you, and they didn't want to give you too yeah. much. <laughs> Apparently, I'm being Russian. <laughs> well, we'll have. But that. not with pickles. <laughs> we'll have that. Yeah, pickles. They were like, oh no, we can have them all. <laughs> all right, we'll have that up on the show notes. We're actually not talking about what's in front of Dave uh, for this entire podcast. We're going to be talking about this idea of why and how to leverage YouTube mm. as a youth ministry leader. Mm -hmm. So YouTube isn't a new thing. It's been around for a, a while, and mm -hmm. there are a lot of ministries that are doing some great things with YouTube, Katie. I would say that yours is one of those, especially in the Amen. junior high, middle We're school arena. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> but YouTube, a lot of times in, in my world, for a long time, it wasn't necessarily like, oh my gosh, I got to figure out how to do ministry on YouTube. Mm. You know, especially when it started, it was just a lot of really random things, but it has really started to turn into this opportunity. Yeah that churches and ministries really can't miss out on mm -hmm. because of how fruitful that ground can be. Yep. But before we get into helpful, fruitful conversation, the first <laughs> question that I have about YouTube is I want to know what the first YouTube video that you remember crying at, that it was so funny that you were watching. Because when I think of YouTube, that's still what I think about. I think of random little dumb videos that just crack me up. Gotcha. I, I've got an answer. I've yeah, got go two, first. actually. Can okay. I share two? For sure. The first one is called Go Bois. Like if you literally look up Go Bois, 
what you'll see is it's like a three-second video, although you can get a 10-hour version of it where it's just <laughs> no. looped for 10 hours. Somebody did that. It's a little girl with a ball and a dog, and she says, go, and she throws the ball, and the dog takes off and pulls her to the ground <laughs> where she face plants and goes, wah, go, wah. My How other do you one, spell that? B-W-R. A A A H. Three A's there. Is really important. Just to clarify. The second one that I have Gosh, is uh, it's filmed by this woman in her car. I'm going to laugh I even think about it. She's in her car and her mum is walking in front of the car with a with a, a gallon a container of milk and she honks the horn and the mum throws the milk into the bushes. It is the funniest like scary thing. We do it at our house now. Whenever I'm in the you know, in the garage about to take the girls out somewhere, I honk the horn so that they jump. My eldest daughter nearly dropped him her cell phone doing this. It was hilarious. I laughed so so hard. <laughs> okay, so cat videos are definitely what drew me mm. into YouTube. Like cat video, cats getting hurt compilations. Yeah, I know it's cats getting hurt. <laughs> well, wow. yeah, that yeah, took a know. dark turn. I know. Because it takes a lot to hurt a cat. Cats, yes, it does. Cats cats doing crazy things. Okay. But honestly, the very first YouTube video I can remember is this Harry Potter puppet show video. And it was like, Snape, Snape, Severus, Snape, Dumbledore. And it's like this whole Harry Potter puppet show. I watched it like 200 times. Oh, right. So, yeah. You're learning a lot about me in this moment that I'm not the sure cat, I want you to know. The, the cat thing I'm a little, I'm a little nervous yes, about I know, for the rest cast. of the conversation. Oh, but uh, We'll see. Ashley, do you have anything? I didn't think I did because I, I can't remember. I'm not a very fun person. No, I'm not going to answer it this way. Ashley okay. talks about not being a fun person, but is like one of the most giggly people and like a great audience. And she's like, no, I don't know if okay. there's any funny okay, YouTube okay. videos. I thought of, I thought of one okay. funny one I've seen that made me laugh. And it was the lady who gave the like PSA about going into the shark's house. Like when, when she like warned everybody about going into the ocean because it's the shark's house. Oh, yeah. That one made me laugh. I, I go back to it every every single like May before beach season happens, mm. and I rewatch her PSA. All right. So educational and funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, has to like, check both those so, boxes. Yeah. For she's her. so serious sure. about what she's yeah, you warning people about. <laughs> you know, that's what makes me laugh. Is she's so serious about it? Uh-huh. I love it. Mine, I feel like, is kind of one of the original. It felt like it had to be one of the original YouTube videos where it's the newscaster and she's at like a winery and they're doing like this, like, hey, this is what it's like to crush wine the old fashioned way, to crush grapes for wine. And she's like up in the basket on like the this little <laughs> mantle and she's crushing it and kind of like making fun of the situation. <laughs> and then she eats it and she falls off this little platform she's on. And makes a noise. Wow. No, it's a little more than that. It's like she can't breathe, oh, but no. she's trying to still kind of. She's, she's winded. It's a. Uh, I'm wine. sure if you YouTube, lady wine press fall. Grapes fall. Reporter. Platform. Yeah. In that order. Because you actually knew the name of the title of the video. I, I don't know, know the title know of that. any YouTube video. <laughs> I just searched like six different words that I feel like have something to do Go with it. Go bois. All right. So we all know there are some just hilarious, funny videos out there on YouTube, but we know that it's way more than that at this point, too. So Mm. here's a few different statistics on YouTube that maybe you've heard some of these before. Maybe you guys even have some other ones that you want to throw out. 
On average, there are one billion with a B mobile video views per day, mm. uh, which seems outrageous. The time that people spend watching YouTube on their TV has more than doubled in the last year, mm. which I think is a really interesting thing because most of the time we think of YouTube and its phones and it's on on computers, but that's doubled in the last year mm. watching on TV. I think that's interesting. And 75% of teenagers seek advice through YouTube channels. Mm. which is a big tension point of what we're of what we're going to be talking about and why it's so important that we leverage something like that in the communities that we're trying to lead. Any other statistics you guys have heard that kind of really raise the tension of why this matters? Yeah, for me, you know, uh, last time I checked, which was probably a month ago, 1.9 billion active users every single month. Um, that's people who have logged in and are actually engaging with posts. Yeah. That's that puts it as the second highest social media um, channel in the world behind behind Facebook. And it's also the second biggest search engine in the world, which is, for me, I think the thing that a lot of uh, ministry people specifically don't understand about YouTube is that it's, it's actually a search engine yeah. owned by Google, who is obviously the biggest search engine in the world. And that's why when you type anything into Google, often the first thing that pops up is video suggest, yep. suggested video answers to the question that you're asking. So that for me is a big one from a ministry perspective, understanding that it's a search engine first, not just a place to put all your old videos yeah. that you have to store somewhere. So just store them on YouTube. I think I also came across a study that said um, specific to Gen Z, about 80 to 95% of Gen Z is on YouTube on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And 50% of Gen Z says they they literally can't live without it. Like they would die without YouTube. Yikes. That's so how true. dedicated they are. Is it just Gen Z? Because I would put myself into that category. <laughs> that was the study you read. Was it was the study I read. Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, we, I've seen some stuff too that just on mobile device, you're talking about TV, but on mobile devices with our teenagers and, you know, with adults too, there's three, spending three to four hours a day on your mobile device watching yeah. YouTube videos and things like that, which to me, that's such an interesting thing to think about of the things that are is in their fingertips three mm. or four hours a day, you know, yeah. in that mobile device, yeah. which is an interesting thing to think that's about. That's huge. And, and also 78% of U.S. men, males in the U.S. use YouTube every single day. So, you know, for churches who are wanting to reach you know, guys specifically, yeah. this is a, a, an invaluable tool. Well, and, and Dave, this goes to something that you said right there is that I think that for the longest time, to me, YouTube was a, like a video hosting site. Mm-hmm. Like people would make videos and YouTube yeah. is where they would host them. That's where people would post them where I could go to watch. But really viewing YouTube as more of a search engine mm-hmm. and a social media platform yep. is really more accurate in how it, it, mm-hmm. it gets used in the way that people interact with it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and YouTube is very determined in becoming known as a social media platform. Um, a lot of people don't see it as that because they see it in, and especially churches, we, a lot of churches view it in the way that we used to view Vimeo just mm. as this place to store all our old videos. But because they're trying to become a social media platform and because it's the second biggest search engine in the world, churches have to adjust the way that they see you and use YouTube moving forward, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and a big piece of that is just around the idea of Google keywords, for example, how we title our videos ensures that we can be found later on. You know, Google talks about this idea called the zero moment of truth. And what that means is it's when a consumer has researched a product and is about to hit return on the shopping cart in order to buy the shoes or the t-shirt or the hat or the glasses that they've been researching, right? They call that the zero moment of truth. And from a church perspective, 
our zero moment of truth is when a student is searching for how do I find hope? Mm. When a student is searching for how do I uh, feel like I belong? Mm. How do I su- how do I survive this next season of my life? How do life? I deal with anxiety? How, how do, do I, I handle yeah. depression? That's our zero moment things. of truth. And if all we're doing is uploading messages without thinking through the title of it, then we're missing the opportunity to be there in that zero moment of truth when students need us the most. But if we're we're uploading videos that have titles like how to deal with anxiety, yeah. how to find hope, then what YouTube does for us is when a student puts that question into a search bar, YouTube throws us up as a solution, hmm. not just some random person, but we can leverage Google keywords to be there in that zero moment of truth for students. I think that's really significant. So I think we're hitting on some of this already, but what, what do you think is drawing students specifically. I mean, we're all drawn to YouTube when I have to replace my garbage disposal and I have no idea how to do that. I'm drawn to YouTube because somebody's going to actually show me how to do it. Yep. But specifically with students, what what's drawing to them to that? What that We get these kind of statistics that 85, 90% of people are checking it every day. What is drawing students to that? What need is getting met that keeps pushing them there? I mean, I feel as if YouTube has become a hub. It's Mm. not just one thing, right? So for, I think for teenagers and parents for sure too, but I think for teenagers, it feels like this one-stop shop type of a place where I can go to this space to learn, to laugh, to be entertained. It's, it's, it is the quickest hub for whatever they're looking for. Yes. uh, A study was done that said 67% of Gen Z so that's our students, believe they can learn anything they need to know about life from YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I would totally add myself into that category because, you know, if I if my car's making a noise or, or the garbage disposal's making a weird noise, I will Google the answer to that. For sure. And what I want to see is a short YouTube video that will show me how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the reality of the world that we live in, whether it's students or whether it's adults. YouTube is the place people go to find answers. It's the place they go to find solutions to everything from mm-hmm. fixing their car to fixing their marriage or fixing their schoolwork or fixing whatever it might be. Yeah. So that's, I think, the big draw card. And then as a bonus, we get all this go bois comment where we can, <laughs> you know, content where we can laugh and, and, and be entertained at the same time. And I think a lot of the studies that talk about Gen Z talk about how much this generation values authenticity mm-hmm. over produced material. Mm. And so I think that's a place where they can go and meet real people yeah. doing real things and not just acting as if it should be a certain way, but you actually see how it plays out for real. Yeah, for sure. I think, too, it's a place where people are expressing purpose. Mm. So the things that they're good at, their giftedness, their uniqueness. So my daughter's 17, and she, um, their shower broke in her bathroom, and I was going to call a plumber. And she came downstairs. She goes, no, I watched a YouTube video. I fixed the shower. And so I was (laughs) like, okay, cool. So that's fun. So she's learning. But then, you know, (laughs) she filmed herself fixing the shower, you know, after she had watched someone else's YouTube video teaching her how to fix the shower or like so there's this space for her also to express her giftedness her uniqueness and so Mm. i think we're seeing that from you know people of all ages it's also this place to express purpose yeah there was a study done in the uk for students aged 14 to 17 and they said what what is the number one career you want when you leave school and the top three do you know what the top three were first one was doctor which i'm thrilled about uh (laughs) second one was youtuber third one was social media influencer so they're seeing this as a as a place to find hope find answers but also a place of opportunity Mm -hmm. where hey potentially i could 
become a YouTuber or become an influencer of some description? Well, and I think that from our work with students and, you know, for, for you two, Dave and Katie, having teenagers, mm. we, we do recognize kind of the good and the bad in that. Yeah, totally. And the good is that there is an opportunity for us to, you know, to, to use our skills, to maybe find community in some way, to kind of share our passions with other people. But there can be this kind of shadow, unhealthy side of we're looking for approval from other people. We're looking to prove ourselves maybe in some ways that aren't that aren't so healthy, uh, that sometimes YouTube becomes the avenue that we tra- we reach out for that. And it's fascinating to me how quickly that begins to get picked up. So I've got I've got three kids, they're all younger. I've got a six and eight and a ten year old. And they have the little kid Amazon tablets where mm-hmm. like they can't really get into anything, but they can make videos of themselves. And in looking through my son Foster's the other day, my six year old, we found some absolutely hilarious videos <laughs> of the Foster show where he like he, he turns the camera to himself and he's like, hey, today on the Foster show, uh, he's just in his room and he's just like grabbing random toys. <laughs> Did not think about this for a second before he hit record. But but that 100 yeah. percent comes from the fact that he's, you know, watch people playing Minecraft on YouTube and like the way that they talk about things. And he's like, oh, that kind of seems that kind of seems like fun. So there is opportunity all over the place of what these things can mean. And there's also almost an, an important way that we have to help this generation understand how to navigate mm. everything that is available to us in in that sort of a setting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's one of the things about, you know, in our home, just thinking about YouTube TV and things like that, making that a hub for your family. Mm -hmm. So it's not just something that your kids are going to individually or even as as a youth pastor, just thinking through how to make that a centric point for everyone in the home. So it doesn't feel like it's someone siloed out watching YouTube. That obviously is always going to bring out open conversation and, you know, watching some of the same videos and things like that and watching, you know, make that thinking through that as a hub for the family versus it just being one kid. Yeah, I completely agree. We do exactly the same thing. Our my girls um, only watch YouTube on the TV so that we can all see what they're watching. And there's a TV upstairs, TV downstairs, but we can still at any moment it's it's public and it's open. And I think when it comes to when I think of like you you know student pastors, youth pastors, that sort of thing, these are conversations that they can be having with the parents mm-hmm. to help the parents navigate this world because yep. they're doing this. They're asking the same questions we probably ask. And, and and if they can have a conversation with parents and say, hey, here's some things that you can put in place that will that can create a strategy in your home to help make this a safe environment. Yeah. I think that that's really important. Because I, I, I still remember the times where, you know, when we first, and the ministry that I was in, when we first got a Snapchat and when we first got an Instagram and there was some pushback some, from parents and saying, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep my kids off of social media and mm. help them spend less time on social media. And then they're showing up and we're driving them to social media. And the same might be said, about mm-hmm. YouTube is there are, I'm sure, are parents all over that are having arguments on a regular basis about how much time their kids are spending on YouTube. And then if they show up to church and we're like, hey, make sure you guys are checking the YouTube channel, check the YouTube thing for this. You know what I mean? So how, what are some other ways that you feel like we might be able to partner with parents and kind of help them understand what we're trying to do so it doesn't become an extra tension point between students and their parents? I'm always hopeful with with the parents in my ministry. You know, my big encouragement is 
everything that we're asking your kids to follow, you are, you have access to. Mm -hmm. So if we're saying, if we're pointing your student to YouTube, watch the YouTube video with them, Mm -hmm. you know, so what does it look like to, or if we're telling your student, Hey, we're on Instagram or we've got Instagram TV rolling, watch it with them, Mm -hmm. you know, be on, be engaged in our channels with your student. Chances are, high that it's going to bring about some great conversation and questions or laughter and, you know, silliness too, which I think is equally as important. So thinking about asking parents to just engage in all the things we're asking your students to engage with Mm. and do it together. Yeah, I would be encouraging, uh, yes and, I would be encouraging parents to reframe the way that they view these things. Mm. I mean, if, if, and I, I'm I'm spitballing here because I don't have boys, but I, I was thinking if parents of a, of boys, for example, teenage boys are like my son's always down at the skate park, but if they knew the church was going down to the skate park every other day to I don't know barbecue lunch for them or provide drinks or something like that, they'd be thrilled that their mm, kids right. going to the skate uh, mm. ramp thing, right? Did I get that right? Is that a skate ramp? Clearly, I don't have boys. Um, <laughs> Great job. But but the same parents get kind of a bit questioning when we say, hey, your kid's on YouTube anyway, and we're just trying to provide good content on YouTube, or your kid's on social media anyway, we're just trying to be in the same space as them. Like, I would ask the parents to reframe their idea around what what the content is that's there. To Katie's point, watch it with them, but also, like, help the church produce content that their kids are watching and start having that conversation as well. I think that that's super important. What happens in the physical can happen in the digital as well. Well, I think there's so many spaces, too, that, you know, we naturally encourage parents to step in with their kids. So they show up to sporting events and they, you know, they're in the soccer game space or Mm. they're in those spaces with their kids. And so, you know, responding to that is, yeah, this is just a space to engage in with your kids. You know, there's all sorts of ways that we do this. And I think as youth pastors, this can be an encouragement, you know, for parents, you know, because they're already in those spaces. I totally agree. We want the church to be in as many spaces as as possible. And with your kids, the reality is they're spending more and more time in digital spaces and online spaces. Don't we want the church in there? Like I, I have conversations with churches about, should I even be on TikTok? Yeah, you should be on TikTok because that's where your kids are, especially middle school slash junior high. I don't know the difference. Um, <laughs> but but sh- don't we want churches to be on TikTok and, and sharing content that's beneficial, that's positive, that's hopeful, that goes against maybe what they're otherwise could be watching. Yeah. Well, I would imagine a lot of listeners, um, like when they're thinking about creating that content or getting the attention of the, the teenagers, I think if you think about it in the terms, the attention's already on YouTube. Like mm-hmm. go where the attention already yeah. is rather than trying to create it yourself. Mm-hmm. I think it actually is less work to do Agreed. that. Okay, so ultimately then, with what we're talking about, with with having a YouTube strategy for for mm. our ministry, where we're trying to reach our, our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, what are we trying to accomplish? How how would you kind of nail that down? How would you explain that? Whether it's to senior leadership when they realize that you're starting to you know to get more intentional about a YouTube strategy, when you're in front of your parents, or when you're even in front of your students, what kind of language? How would you actually define what are we trying to accomplish by getting more intentional about a, a YouTube strategy? My answer to that would be we're trying to stay connected with our students beyond just the Sunday. Okay. And and YouTube gives us an opportunity to do that because then we can – that's where we can post content. That's where we can do live video that keeps people engaged. That's where we can comment with them and all that sort of thing as well. So for me, it's all about staying connected with them. For us, I feel like I had to create some samples 
to show senior leadership. So yeah. I feel like we kind of soft launched some things on our YouTube channel over a couple of months to just start creating some things because there was a little bit of a language barrier between mm-hmm. us and our senior leadership. And to be quite honest, like I'm, you know, I've been in it for a while. So I needed to bring in some younger youth workers to really help shape that language for my senior leadership. So it wasn't me. It was, you know, a couple of 21 and 23 year old leaders who kind of began to shape this strategy with us and for us and then created some things to show senior leadership because they really didn't have any idea what a YouTube strategy would look like. And so, and and for us, we're figuring it out a little bit still too, but I think that that was an important thing was to give them some visuals and some Mm -hmm. language to kind of frame the strategy. So I think in addition to staying in touch with your students throughout the week, it's also touch points for students who aren't engaged with your church at all. So if the end goal is to get a kid to maybe be part of a small group or come to church or be in community with other believers or whatnot, whatever your goal is, Mm. I would say your YouTube channel and your YouTube videos are just the beginning of that relationship. Like Just like when you meet somebody in person and you've already been following them on social media and you're like, I feel like we're already friends, even though we've never met in person, (laughs) so can we hug? You know, It's It's a similar mindset for our students. If they can start watching us from a distance, it's Mm. almost like dating. It's like you start watching from a distance before there's any commitment made, right? And all of a sudden, maybe the commitment is I'm going to go to the building. I'm going to go to this event for the first Mm -hmm. time, and maybe I'm going to meet them in person. And that's the next step. I think it's like this. It just makes the funnel wider. And you add value to kids who are not connected to your ministry simply by providing information and content where they already are. Ash, that is so good because 100% students will connect with your church before they connect within your church. Mm. And YouTube is the way that they do that. They connect with the content because their friends are sharing it with them or they're stumbling across it because they're asking the questions that leads YouTube to throw up your solution as the the video suggestion. And so it's a great place to make that introductory connection point. It's I always say it's lowering the bottom rung on the digital invitation ladder. Mm. We want to make that bottom rung as low as possible because this is how kids are getting connected with church. They're getting connected digitally. Well, and what you talked about earlier, as far as what are we accomplishing by this strategy, some of it is things that we'll never actually begin to measure. So if sure. we're if we're if we're creating content that is speaking to things like how middle schoolers can handle a- a- anxiety, yeah. or you know how to, how to talk to your parents about you know depre- like if if there are people that are not even in our state that could stumble totally. across that that could have a huge influence on them sure. that never even end up coming in our doors. Yeah. But I do think you know we're living in a, you know a, a culture for for better or worse. But there are fewer and fewer families that are showing up yeah. every single week to church. Just the way that it is. I'm the same. I'm the same way. I'm a yeah. small group leader, and I'm, I can't be there every single Sunday. But in what ways can the church innovate for students yeah. that can't be there on a regular basis to help them continue to feel connected and invested in what's going on? And this seems like one of the best ways to keep them feeling like this is where I belong. I know what's going on. I know the inside jokes. I know what we're laughing yep. about, even if I haven't been in three weeks because of lacrosse or soccer yeah, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I agree. I would argue that church attendance is not decreasing. It's decentralizing. Mm-hmm. People are accessing our content online 
on podcasts like this one, on YouTube even. And so it's decentralized from the physical location into all these other spaces. But you can have a kid who hasn't been in four weeks still know exactly what's going on if we're doing things like YouTube, posting yeah. posting services, posting messages to YouTube. They can be involved in a midweek small group even if they didn't attend on Sunday because you're posting that message up online. And you can help small groups even by producing shorter versions of the message. Like instead of a 35-minute message going out, create a four-minute version of the yep. same message that gives just the highlights that is the starting point for a small group to kick in. Things like that, I think, are great opportunities for churches to really take the next step when it comes to their YouTube strategy. Yep. I think that's been a big part of our conversation in our youth ministry is, you know, we really do only see kids for, you know, maybe an hour a month yeah. if they're coming once a month, but then their mobile devices in their hands three to four hours a day. Yep. So what's possible yeah. with that time? So you know, what, what could be in that time the other six days of the week? Yeah. yeah, I think we need to, I think sometimes we get caught up thinking the stage and the pulpit is only in one specific place, but this, I'm holding up my cell phone, this is is a stage, this is a pulpit as well. If we leverage it strategically mm. to reach into the lives of students and be there when they need it most, they've got a pastor in their pocket. They've got a student pastor in their pocket all day, every day. We just need to make sure we're there. Yeah. If you think about it, if you have, let's say, four of your students are all on the same lacrosse team and they have a tournament that weekend and you're able to post something from your ministry, they're able to watch it together and mm -hmm. have like their own little small group and conversation mm -hmm. around that content. And then and then they're not necessarily out of the loop or they're not, you know, not prioritizing faith. It just looks different. Right. I think when I talk to other youth pastors, that might be one of the number one challenges slash frustrations that they're saying right now is, well, sports wins out or yep. this yeah, yeah. wins out or this wins out. But again, that mindset shift of, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way if they're engaging at yep. some other time during the week. Sports isn't necessarily winning out, but it can still be a priority. Mm -hmm. We're not, we don't need to be in competition or tension with the other things that our kids are choosing. Yeah. But I think that's tough. Well, and that's going back to what Dave, you said about the idea of decentralized. Is mm. the the greatest tool that we have is not necessarily what happens on a Sunday, but it's a small group leader who's yep. investing in their lives relationally. Yeah, totally. So yes, they do miss out on something. What we do on Sunday matters. None of us would be doing what we do on a regular <laughs> right. basis if we didn't yes. think that that's true. Yeah, yeah. But we also understand that you know the the kind of impact and influence that we're going for happens because there are adults that are investing daily and weekly in the lives of these students yeah. and so that's always something that we have to invest in and if they're still not showing up on a regular basis to the to the thing that we're trying to get them to show up for mm. and we are investing relationally the only other option is to try to innovate and it's yeah. trying to use these sort of avenues that might be available to us to try to connect with them in those ways to get content with them in those ways to to draw them in in those ways. Yeah, totally. But I think one of the keys that you just said is draw them in. And I think a lot of times it's easy to resort to content is just communicating information mm. or like this is the event you missed out on and this is what it looked like. Yep. Don't you wish you were there yep. rather than information that's actually going to help me if I watch it, mm. you know? And so are we answering the questions they're asking? That's yep. how we're going to engage them. Oh, that's, that's so a great good. question. That's a, and, and I would like to think the answer would be yes. But if we're calling that by a message title that is so obscure that nobody's typing that into a search bar, <laughs> then, then nobody's going to find it to, to the mm. point that um, Brett made earlier. 
you know, there's a kid who's out of state who might need the message that Ash, you preached at, you know, high school ministry on the weekend, right? But how are they going to find that unless we give it a title about something that they're searching? Because, you know, I know there, there are student pastors who are listening to this, who are creating great content to answer those questions that kids are wrestling with every day. But then we think we have to give it some sort of catchy title that works in the room, but doesn't work online. And if we really want to plant trees whose shade we'll never sit under, because some kids watching a video about finding hope in the midst of anxiety in another state, then we need to be titling our messages around the question that kids are asking. Okay, so I'm a student pastor. I'm listening to this. I'm thinking about my ministry's YouTube channel, and I've got three videos on there from the past two years, and it's <laughs> the camp highlight video, and you know, it's those, it, those kind of things. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I love what they're saying. I don't, where do I even start? Like, what, what would you say would be some of the first steps to be thinking about where do we even go from this moment of, okay, I think that this probably is something I should be putting some energy into mm. to actually seeing some fruit from that? I think for us where we started was talking to students <laughs> and really, really hearing their heart and what they're currently engaging in, mm. what they're currently looking for. And then also our small group leaders and, you know, us as, as youth pastors getting together kind of as just figuring out like, hey, what are things that we really have a heart to put out for you? And then students, what are you, what are you looking for? And mm. we, like I said, we kind of soft launched some stuff on our YouTube channel. So yeah. we've just been trying out a ton of stuff, some silly and fun stuff, some testimony type stuff, some one minute devotional stuff, just to kind of see what catches. Um, and we've got some very vocal junior hires giving us feedback <laughs> <laughs> on what they like, what they don't like, what they would change. And so I think getting more than just you as the youth leader, yeah. you know, or one person managing your YouTube channel feels, you know, for us, I feel like that won't work. We have mm. to have a yeah. bunch of us feeding into it, feeding in content. And I think having teenagers be a part of that process is really important. What are your friends talking about? What are they searching? What are you, what are your, mm. what questions are your friends asking you? You know, those types of things I think are important places to, or they help to start in an, an important place, I think. Mm. I think that's what I like about your JHM channel is you have a lot of different people involved in it too. You like showcase a bunch of different faces and different kinds of material. And so it's interesting. So even people who are looking for different things, there's something for them there. Yeah. And you have like a lot of different segments to your shows that you're trying out. I think they're awesome. Yeah. They're so fun. We're just trying out a whole bunch of stuff, you know, to really see what kids respond to and, and yeah. what they, you know, and will come back to. We've mentioned y'all's junior high ministry YouTube channel a couple times. We will throw that link into the show notes. So if, if you're listening and you do want to check that out and kind of see what they're testing and messing around with, you'll have a chance to do that. Yeah. So uh, that's fantastic. I love your content as well. There's so much that you just said that is so important when it comes to knowing what content you're going to put out there. The other side to the question that Brett asked, I think, is the creation of that content. What does it take to what sort of equipment do I need to yeah. even pull off this sort of thing? Because I know student pastors are so busy and they're, you know, spinning so many plates that if you add one extra thing, then it can seem over completely overwhelming. I also want to add something that maybe you were thinking of, but you didn't yeah. say, which I can definitely relate to, <laughs> is that sometimes youth pastors are cheap. Yeah, right. for sure. I yes. was yeah. a cheap youth yes. pastor. Yeah, totally. Sure. And so, so thinking about you equipment know, at yeah. all, <laughs> and and I don't think that this is, this is a church size thing. If you've got mm -hmm. a, a ministry of you know nine kids, or if you've yeah. got a ministry of you know ninety or one hundred and ninety kids, yeah. 
some 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 of that changes a little bit. Totally. But what we're what we're talking about, I don't think I don't think adjusts. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to creating that content and, and creating the video, I think sometimes we think it has to be overproduced because we come at it from an adult mindset yeah. and maybe even an old church mindset. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, the most popular YouTubers on the planet literally uh, use their phone as the camera and they use their arm as the tripod. Like there's no real, there's not a lot of equipment necessarily involved. And I think the, the key is on YouTube, people will forgive grainy video, sort of bad video, but they won't forgive bad audio. Yeah. So I think if, you, if you're going to invest money in anything, invest money in a good microphone. And the great thing is you can spend like $100 and get a microphone that plugs into your phone and delivers outstanding audio. And mm. if that's all you have, then that's brilliant. That's more than enough. The great thing, you don't need comprehensive lighting systems because guess what? Sit by a window and God provides the light. Amen. Um, and then, then plug in Jesus Duke in the middle of this podcast. Then plug in your microphone into your phone and just record like that. Like it can be that simple. And if you want to elaborate, if you want to get um, you know a little bit more equipment, then just a simple DSLR and a ring light, which will you know the ring lights can, you can get for like thirty dollars yep. uh, online on Amazon. Just set set that sort of thing up and get people to talk into the camera. It doesn't have to be very highly produced as long as the audio is good. Students will forgive everything. Yeah. Well, and I, I I read this study about, it was like a marketing study on what teenagers respond to best. And it's the more authentic take on the video. Yeah. So they're, they're not responding as well to the overproduced, you know, super, you know, planned out type stuff. They respond best to when it feels authentic. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a marker of Gen Z. And let's be honest that 99% of us listening, if we tried to create something that was well produced, <laughs> yeah. it would turn it out. It would not weird <laughs> yeah, and a little totally. bit cheesy and they would sure. sniff that out. Yeah. So if, totally. if we just do what we like, even like quirky is a word that I always, you know, try to think of like if my, if my like quirky for me is going to come off as authentic Yeah. because I'm just kind of a quirky guy, especially kind of in, in student ministry world, kind of mm-hmm. with the students. So if I would do something that's just kind of like fun, a little bit quirky without trying like everything overproduced. And do I talk different when I'm on the camera than I would normally with them? But just totally trying to be yourself is going to come off a hundred times better with your students. Totally. And the other thing is it doesn't have to be long. We sometimes Mm. think that I've got to prepare a 20 minute devotional in order to get people. No, no, no. The average length of a video on YouTube is four minutes and 20 seconds. Hollywood has figured this out. You look at the uh, the last Jurassic Park film that was released was literally an eight four minutes minute. and twenty seconds. Oh, sorry, <laughs> no, it was an eight minute video that was put out onto YouTube, mm. and it went so well that the ma- the people who make the Jurassic Park series are like, why would we put out a two hour video? from now on when we could do a series of eight minute things that that capture way more attention. So even they're starting to figure it out. So getting on doing a four minute video, that's long enough. And I, I think just about anybody can do that because we've all got cell phones and you know the best camera you can ever have is the one that you have on you. So if you've got a video on you, if you've got a camera on you right now and you've got three or four minutes worth of content, you're ready to post something on YouTube in my opinion. I think the, uh, the other piece that you said to that was me as the youth pastor, do I need to be the one doing that? Yeah. And I think, you know, this is an 
awesome space to develop volunteers and, and to, to develop and empower teenagers to be involved yep. in this as well. They probably will do it way better than you. You know, I'm an older youth pastor, so for sure I want to be empowering, you know, people around me. So it's not like you have so to have good. a paid staff position or a video guy or whatever mm. to be doing these things. There's so many students and teenagers and volunteers in your space that would probably jump at the chance to make totally. videos and do things like that. So what does that look like? What kind of roles are you almost looking for people to fill for something like this? Yeah. So, I mean, there's all sorts of different, you know, spaces to utilize people. So you've got the people who are in the video and students love to be highlighted in that space. (laughs) Same with volunteers, depending on what it is, you know, whether it's a testimony or something, you know, pouring chocolate sauce on someone's head, you know, it's that that's a space that's fun to engage volunteers in. And then I think, the you know the shooting of the video and the editing those you know those are kind of two other spaces to engage volunteers in and I think there's a lot of people that are looking to learn to do that yeah. so engaging people in that learning process so I have a I have um, a guy who kind of heads up that stuff and so he's training students he's training other volunteers to have an eye for those things to shoot the video to yeah. edit the video so I think having someone who does kind of know what they're doing that person empowered to that's to develop so, others. I think that's so good because the students are the ones who know what looks good on, on totally. YouTube. I yeah. know for me, when I started my YouTube channel, it was my 16-year-old daughter telling me, Dad, you need to change the way you cut that. Well, why? The transition <laughs> was so in it with the music. Dad, jump cuts, do jump cuts, just keep. And so I'm like, okay, you want to edit my videos from <laughs> now on? Because they, they watch it so much, they know what looks good from a shooting perspective. They know what looks good from an editing perspective. We just need to empower them to do what they really want to do anyway. And what they're watching all the time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. they're experts on on watching everything. So yeah. I think to pull yeah. in people who are on watching YouTube all the time are great contributors. So, good. so we talked about equipment just a second ago. Dave and Katie, would you guys be willing to kind of put together a little bit of an equipment list that, Katie, maybe that you guys are using for your junior high ministry Absolutely. stuff. Dave, you talked about like a $100 microphone mm-hmm. or maybe like a cheap tripod, like make a list of those kind of recommendations if they've got a little bit of money to play with with something like yeah, this. Absolutely. And we can put it in the show. Yeah, for sure. I've actually already prepared a list because oh, awesome. I knew you were going to know. I've got a list on a thing called kit.com, K-I-T.com. And what I've got there is two uh, YouTube rigs oh yeah the whole setup one that's like portable and involves iphones and tabletop tripods and simple you know 30 dollar microphones and another that is medium um you know involves a dslr maybe a 120 dollar ring light stuff like that but um yeah i've already got them and i'll give you the link so that you can put them in the show notes what's that link it's kit.com kit.com forward slash aussie dave a-u-s-s-i-e dave um and it's just it's just my list of stuff that i've used and, and that works really well and is cheap or awesome. or at least spreads across all budget ranges. Okay, so I know that one of the questions that that some student pastors might be thinking about, okay, I, I know I should be doing more. This sounds like a great idea in theory. If I sit down and I'm trying to think through, well, I've got a lot of middle school students that would say like, yep, I'll make a video. How do you decide what gets posted? How do you decide what kind of content kind of how do you manage the kind of content that you want to actually be out there? What is What would you say that process should look like? 
One of the great things about YouTube is you can create different playlists, which mm. kind of act like a shelf on a bookcase. Yeah. And they can be totally different topics, but they're all part of the same channel. Yeah. Mm. And so my friend Gretchen, for example, who has a, a YouTube channel for her junior high ministry, her playlists, one is on community, one's on conversation, and one's on culture. Yeah. And so community, she has a lot of videos that are like games that her kids play on air. Mm. Um, and so it's filming and it might be like before service or something yeah. and they're filming YouTube videos and kids get to be part of it. Yeah. And then the conversation portion is more of like the devotional portion. Mm -hmm. So that's adding devotional content or maybe it's your message. And then culture is like the culture of the ministry. So maybe it's like the camp recap mm -hmm. or something that what's happening in that ministry if they want to stay up to date with those different things. Yeah. And the yeah. great thing about that is that you can have as many playlists as you want. Now, I wouldn't turn it into like the Cheesecake Factory menu. <laughs> I would keep it more like the Chick-fil-A yeah. menu yeah. Um, and keep it simple. But um, you, each one can have its own life. Each one can have its own style. Each one can be have its own, uh, you know, how long the, uh, the videos go for and things like that. So, yeah, I would 100% back up what Ash just mm -hmm. said. Get your channel sorted and then sort it out into playlists. Organize it into playlists and each one can have a different feel around it. What about you? I think too just – you know, in we've just been in a lot of conversation as we've been talking about content of just really what, where do what do we want the end result to be with students, you yeah. know, and with teenagers? What what is the stuff that we really want them to soak in? And I think there is a little bit of a process of praying that through and thinking mm. that through ahead of time of before you even form anything or what are we hoping is going to be the end result of this thing? And that's been a good question for us as we've like tried and failed and tried and succeeded. You know, there's there's been both. Um, and so I think just having those conversations ahead of time, doing a little bit of research on like video length and different things like that, yeah. I think help inform content. Mm. And you, what, one thing that you guys do is the JHM show, yeah, which is kind of like this 10 minute, it's almost like video announcements with almost like a late night show, sort of a, sort of a vibe aimed directly at middle schoolers. Yeah. And so it scratches the itch that it's just funny. That it creates, you know, did you see moments where friends are talking to each other? Yeah. Hey, did you see on the JHM show this week that this happened or, you know, this little segment that, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. creates that one and it does inform them on some things that are, that are going on or you want them to know about. But in a not on front of the stage for the first five minutes of your programming sort of a yeah. way that nobody's really that nobody's really engaged in. So I to me that mm. was just kind of one of those interesting things that could be a really good reference for a lot of people to watch to say, hey, this is what it could look like to check a lot of different boxes yeah. Yeah. to do some of the things that you're trying that you're that that people are trying to use the strategy for. Well and I think under understanding your audience is a big thing. So if your audience is middle schoolers, like Go go after middle schoolers yeah, and, yeah. and really understand who they are, you know, and there's there's lovely depth to them and there's lovely shallowness to them. <laughs> there's both, you know. And so, you know, if high schoolers or college students are really your target, really understand them and go after that yeah. target. That's so good. That's so good. And, and the other thing which we haven't even touched on is that show is also infinitely shareable by every student who watches it. Yep. They can share it to their own social media platforms. The other great thing about YouTube is that you can share that 
people will bump up into it randomly, potentially, but also your students who are part of your community can share it with their friends as an invitation to their school friends to come along. Hey, check out what my church did. And if it's a shorter show, they can watch it on their mobile phone because that's where they're doing it anyway. Definitely. And if, the, if it's got all of these elements that you just listed, more kids are going to be more likely to go, hey, I might come in and check that out. To Asher's point earlier, that it becomes the, the, the stepping stone for them to have never been to actually start putting steps inside the building. Yep. It is an interesting learning to, to really pay attention to what they have shared, yeah. mm. you know, to how many times something has been shared or the mm-hmm. shareables of things that I think that's been something that we've really been just paying attention to of, well, they didn't, this was not a share a thing that they shared a ton or this was something that they shared with everybody. Yeah. And so just yeah. kind of paying attention to that too has really helped us kind of continue to grow and try new things. And the reason you can do that is because YouTube is run by Google and it has totally. Google analytics yeah. and it literally tells you everything. everything. Mm. Who shared it, where they shared it from, what device they watched on, what city they were living in, when they watched it, <gasps> what they typed into the search bar to find the video that they watched. Like all of that is re- so easily available and that can inform the content and the style of content that you produce. Yeah, it's so awesome. I, I know one of the things that probably feels overwhelming is that a strategy like this is sort of like a culture shift. It's not just okay. I'm going to snap my finger, and now I'm going to st- I'm, I'm going to start having this amazing YouTube strategy. Is that it feels like one of those situations where people get really motivated mm. to start a blog, and then nobody reads it, and then <laughs> they have two blogs from the same month, and then they don't blog again for two years. <laughs> where it feels like one of those things where I put a lot of time yeah. and energy and creative energy, which can feel very vulnerable, and if people don't like it you know, or don't watch it. We feel like they're saying they don't like us or they don't want to watch us, which isn't what it is. So how do you wrestle with, okay, I want to get started. I want to start doing this. I post two videos in the first couple months and six people watch them. Yeah. Um, first of all, I would say you're right. It is a culture shift, but news alert to the church people, culture has already shifted. <laughs> this is where they already are. Your students are already in this space. You just need to go and be there as well. And Are you going to produce two videos that get six views in total over the next nine months? Probably, but you have to see it as a long game. Mm -hmm. That's what this is. Jesus was with, you know, 12 teenagers, in my opinion, whole separate conversation. (laughs) Jesus spent three years, 24 hours a day with uh, 12 teenagers, and yet they still didn't get it every time, right? Is he talking about the bread? Is he talking because we don't have any lunch right now? And Jesus (laughs) gets frustrated and is like, what is it going to take for you guys? We can't expect to get a million views on a video, yeah. the first one out of, straight out of the gate, right? It's it's a long game. Jesus knew it was a long game. I think we have to realize this is a long game and we have to keep playing it though because this is where students are and they're worth the investment. Mm. They're worth the investment. As a dad to three teenage girls, I want to know that there are churches making an investment in the spaces that my girls are living mm. right now. That's what's most important to me. And I would just say, don't give up because, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's some YouTube videos that bomb and there's some that are great. And most most people are going to just, you know, if they like it and they like you, they'll keep coming back, yeah. you know. And I think that we've had to push through some bombs on our YouTube channel, <laughs> um, but also have seen some really cool, you know, shared things and, mm-hmm. and results there. And I think the strategy piece is, you know, the same kind of mindset shift that you would do to create a small group strategy 
energy or something that you believed in deeply would bring about life change. That same kind of mindset shift needs to take place in this lane, Mm. I I think, in youth ministry, where we need to mindset shift and understand that this lane is here to stay. Mm. It's not going away. It's not always the enemy, you know, and it it really does deserve us to to think it through and break it down like we would a small group strategy. What is going to be our strategy to reach kids in this space? So my mind keeps going to, as we move more into this space and we try to engage teenagers where they are, we also have to be prepared to be engaged with. Mm. So that means like our digital discipleship strategy needs to increase Mm. because if we're engaging kids that aren't connected somehow, then we we have to have people and a strategy in place to respond. If we're answering Mm. the questions they're asking, how are we also connecting them to a person to continue that conversation? That's good. Mm. Yeah, that's really important because we we talked about having volunteers and strategies in place to create this content, but we also have volunteers and systems in place to respond to the people who are connecting with this content, right? Uh, do you guys have that with your stuff on YouTube? Because I'm sure you're getting lots of comments. I think right now, yeah, I mean, that's what we're trying to figure out yeah, is yeah. We, we want everything we're doing to point back to, yeah. you know, so either to point back to the church, to point back to being connected. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like every time we're ending something, we're trying a different point back yeah. because I think that's the goal is to point them back to ultimately Christ, but a caring adult or the church even yeah, yeah. as a first step. Yeah. So I think that's been our question is, okay, what's the point back in this? Yeah, yeah. Part of part of the strategy that we have at our church is uh, that every comment gets a response. And sometimes that's connecting people with a care network that can provide the care and support that maybe the person responding can't. Um, but it's it's part of our social media, stra- our broader social media strategy to make sure that there's connection points and there's a person who's responding to everybody who reaches out in a digital space that can connect with them physically if required. Yeah. And that's so much bigger than YouTube too. So I mean, on bigger. your Instagram, I, you yeah, know, responding yeah. to every student who takes the time to comment on your post, yeah. mm-hmm. respond. But when we <laughs> yeah. do that, it gets personal then for them, totally. right? We let them know that they matter because we are responding to the comment that they made right. on the stuff that we created for them. Yeah. And anytime we can make that personal connection and let them know, hey, we see you and you matter and, you, and, and you're important and significant to us. I think that's when the digital is such a huge win. And sometimes it takes like three shallow comments they make yeah. where we <laughs> respond before they send a DM that has yeah. any kind of meat mm. or depth to it. So true. And unless we have somebody who's there that answers quickly and answers in a helpful way and like a personal way, I mean, I don't I don't feel like all of the content we put out matters if we're not willing and ready to respond to it. Yeah, could not agree more. All right, so Katie, you have been doing student ministry for a while. A hundred years. One hundred <laughs> years. The Methuselah ministry is what they call Katie Edwards. Wow. Um, so in in that in that span of a hundred years, sure. you guys you guys investing in this idea of a YouTube strategy is is, right. a, is fairly new. So what do you what did you have to change what your budget looked like? What what did you have to you know start saying no to? I mean, mm. what shifts did you have to make in order for this really to be a strategy that you all chose, hey, we're going to start investing in this. 
Yeah, I think, you know, as in my youth ministry career, there's definitely been some significant turning points where you recognize, you know, this is important. So we've got to put some things behind it in order to get in this space. You know, when we started doing small groups in our ministry, it was about 18 or 19 years ago. That was a huge shift for our church, doing small groups and making the large groups small. And so we put money and leaders and time and investment behind that, you know, and I think along the way, there's been all sorts of those little shifts. And I just think this has been another shift where, yes, I did have to look at my budget and say, you know, we aren't going to do a couple of these events or we aren't going to do, we aren't going to be in this space in order to create room and time and money and investment for kind of this space of technology. Mm. What we know about Gen Z is that they're digital natives. And so this, this space that they're in is, is a space that we need to invest in. And so um, for me, I'm blessed. I'm at a church where I do have a few people on, on a staff who are paid staff. And so I did make the decision to dedicate one of those paid staff to really helping us, you know, forge into this new pioneering space, someone who could develop people, develop kids, develop the strategy that we believe in. We don't totally understand or know all the end results of it yet. We're still learning a ton, but it felt, you know, about a year and a half ago, it just felt like we are, we're missing the mark significantly. Mm. If we do not get Mm. into this space, there's too many kids out there who are lost. There are too many kids out there living without any knowledge of what Christ can do for, you know, who Christ could be in their lives. And this feels like the, the most perfect space to, to engage in, to really engage kids in a relationship with Jesus. Mm. And so, yeah, we're not doing some things this year. (laughs) And we have cut back on some things in order to make space for this, in order to buy some equipment, and in order to do a few things that'll help us engage in this space. I think it will be totally worth it. Mm -hmm. We just don't you know, totally know what that looks like yet. So we're leaping out in faith into this space and restructuring things to hit this mark. If it's as big as small groups are (laughs) and what Mm -hmm. those meant for our youth ministry and the church and what small groups have done for people in their individual journey and community, if we can get into this lane in that kind of way, it will be life-changing. Yep, Mm. matters. Totally. And I, I can imagine folks listening and feeling really overwhelmed about this idea. And there's so many different things to do that we've talked about with creating content, managing content, maybe getting some equipment, the kind of conversations you might have to have with leadership or parents and, you know, navigating, moderating comments and responding back to replies and where are we pointing to? All of these things can feel really overwhelming on how we get started. But Katie, I love what you've said a couple different times is that yes, we need to think through what this is going to look like before we just leap off. But there is a little bit of a, just a leap of faith to sure. this. And there is a little bit of, hey, we're just trying to figure this out. Masterclass of those online classes. I always see articles, different videos that pop up, like take a screenwriting masterclass from Ron Howard. Uh, the, the the barbecue guy, Franklin Barbecue mm-hmm. in um, Austin. Austin, yeah. His, I, I want to watch it sometime. I, I'm a terrible meat cooker uh, on, on flames, which I guess is <laughs> meat cooker on flames. flames. Brilliant. Um, okay. Anyway, cool, cool. and but I watch I watch two minutes of that, and it's mm. fascinating. Yeah. One of the things that I love the way that he that he talks about is the only way to make good barbecue is to make bad barbecue first. Mm. And so there is such a truth to that when it comes to this idea of. 
this YouTube strategy, yeah. we're not going to have it all figured out. No. We're Yes, that doesn't mean that we should just rush right into it. We should ha- take some time. We should think about it. Be we thoughtful. should have some conversations. Yeah, have a good strategy going in. But we, we've just got to start somewhere. Yeah. And you look back at any YouTuber out there who's got a million followers, <laughs> and if they haven't deleted their first videos, <laughs> right. they would be massively embarrassed by a lot of them probably. probably. Uh, or at totally. least in some way, they would notice like, oh my gosh, this, I have totally shifted this or changed, except Dave, I mean, from the get-go, Dave, <laughs> years have just- uh, been Out of the gate, it was this, no, a spiritual gift <laughs> of he de- YouTube. He deleted an entirely different channel. Um, anyway, yeah, so I think my encouragement, you guys tell me if I'm wrong here, is you just got to start somewhere. Try, just you got to start having the conversations and you got to start somewhere and you'll start to figure out what catches on, what you need to shift, mm. what you need to change. Totally agree. You've, you've got to start somewhere and, and just get started. Like that's what it is. You, to, to your point, Katie, years and years ago, you just started with small groups. You just, you went, hey, we're just going to do it and we're just going to see what happens. So I would say when it comes to YouTube, when it comes to social media in general, just start doing it and see what happens. See the connections that it's going to make. Track it. If it works, do it again. If it doesn't, change it up. Like it's the same with every other aspect of ministry. Just try it and then fix it as you go. Completely agree. That Franklin Barbecue guy, he knows what he was talking about. <laughs> he does. Wow. And we would actually love for you all to jump in to this conversation on our Facebook group. Uh, if you go to the link in the show notes, rethinkingym.org, you can head over there. I would love to know, one, what is the funniest YouTube video that you've ever seen? And then two, what are the most helpful YouTube strategies that you've implemented uh, that maybe we could be able to learn from too? Because we're also just getting started and kind of experimenting with this YouTube thing. We have a couple of episodes of the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast that we have recorded and put on YouTube. Ironically, this was not one of the ones <laughs> that we video recorded to put on YouTube. But yeah, if you want to see what our first couple of experiments have looked like, those are on there, hopefully with some more to come. And one last awesome resource is Dave actually has a Facebook group called YouTube for Churches mm-hmm. that you can join and you can learn from all the people that have been doing it, the genius of Aussie <laughs> Dave, Dave Adams, and learn of all the things not Close. to do. Close. He says close. Not quite to that line. Just above average intelligence, Dave, is what we'll call him. But yeah, you'll have that link right there on the show notes to rethinkingym.org. Dave, Katie, your first time ever with us. Great to be with you Thank you so much. And Ashley, thanks for hanging out with us. And we hope that you all have an awesome day. Mm